Welcome to the KFA Podcast, where our mission is to keep faith alive by kicking ass. I talk for a living, so I'm good. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> but um, what we find is, like, we'll have a meeting in here, we'll be talking, and we're like, man... We should have like had the cameras out and recording. This morning, that, oh, it was amazing. That's really, so really funny. good. Yeah, because yeah. you can gel on a lot of stuff and then, and then just kind of go brain yeah. dead under the camera. Yeah. So I just, I just want to, we'll just let it flow the way it flows, and uh, and we'll see what happens, right? Cool. Uh, so no topics really. Off, like I know, like right now, the a big topic is like the lawsuits behind real estate going on right now. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm a. I can talk about that a little bit. I'm, you know, obviously can't go into legal stuff, but it's, um, yeah, I have I have opinions on on all of that, and and yeah, I think okay. uh, it's yeah. My well, husband maybe the actually, conversational. My husband quizzed go. me on it last week, so it's fine. Maybe it's the really conversation will go that direction. Yeah, but, it's uh, really funny. He mostly, was like, hey, you might need to be aware of this, and then he sent me a link, and I was like, cool. You might need to know how to program computers at your engineering job. Oh, I forgot. You've been doing that for 30 years. <laughs> oh, oh it's yeah. going to be cold at Thanksgiving <laughs> this year. Whoa. Like, uh, and then I did educate him about that for roughly an hour. Uh, yeah. And then he was like, okay, just kidding. Never mind. I can see you're aware. You know what's going on. Yeah. I was like, only every month for, oh, I don't know, like a year and a half. We've already yeah. preemptively done stuff about this for us. Washington was one of the first ago. states. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I just, I I worry, I worry for buyer's agents right now, honestly, with all this stuff that's coming out. And I worry for home buyers as well, because now if buyer's agents are going to get paid a different way, we might need to finance and add to their closing costs the buyer's mm-hmm. agent commission, which that's gonna make it harder to buy a house, so. I just Is think it? these things are, yeah, I just think these things are, um, you know, large sea changes that are not gonna take place over a year or two years, or, you know, it's maybe five or 10 years from now we're looking and things might be somewhat different. Okay. Um, but I do not currently think there's such a thing as like an avatar for an agent um that replaces what we do with the physical access to the property and someone who oh. has you know contractual and, and some legal knowledge and is going to be your your advocate through the whole thing right and you know i mean i don't go buy a washer or dryer without finding a person in an appliance store that ha- knows something about the washer and dryer right to then have me kind of cherry pick what it, from what they're saying and what I ask to be educated on to then ha- implement my plan. Right. And so why on earth would you would anyone want to go forth with um, a, a house purchase without some advocate? We do not do that with cars. We do not we do not just walk onto a car lot, you know, scan our ID or whatever and then go drive a car. Right. I mean, probably people would want to make sure we're not I don't know, drunk or uh, you know, whatever. And so like you or know, we go through a go person, take a shower in the car. and then also, yeah. you know, I guess the car one day will talk to us, right? And that would be hard, but you know, talk to us and you know, say all the cool features that the car has or whatever. But anyway, that would be distracting. <laughs> so I don't know. We we I show up at a car lot because I have questions about cars, and I'm not sure if I'm going to buy one or, yet or not. Mm-hmm. But you know, what happens then from that moment on helps me to decide 
what I'm going to buy and when and if. And then I get to the how, which is like you guys, you know, what... That's how you have an educated guess or yeah. an educated decision, right? Yeah, and yeah. I can I can figure out the how. Um, but that, that early inspiration now with houses definitely takes place on the internet. But they, they can't get to the point of a purchase without at some point getting physical access to the house in most cases. Mm-hmm. Because you, like I tell buyers all the time, you just don't know anything right. until you've stepped foot inside the house. You know, you can't tell... You know, how it smells, what it feels like, what's the light like, what's really the level of trim, or are those baseboards this short, or are they five-inch baseboards? That could be coming soon, you know. They could have, you know, like, you're looking at a house on Zillow, and it says, you know, sniff here, scratch and sniff here. (laughs) Virtual tour. Yeah, you don't know if the neighbor's dog is barking. You don't know uh, really what the feel of the neighborhood is. You really can't tell the layout properly, and even the 3D videos um, I don't feel give that genuine uh, understanding of the home. And some of these um, wide angle photos nowadays that make it look like it's mm-hmm. completely different than, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that is a huge pool. Oh, it's a hot tub. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was a massive swimming pool. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. just the way they do some of these, you can't tell if and, you're not physically how, there. How is the yard, you know, because I, you know, I recently had a client's property that, you know, had a particularly deep, really nice yard. But the thing is, you know, once you once you take the photos of it, it, it sometimes it represents it as larger, sometimes it's smaller, mm-hmm. and you just can't get a really good sense for anything. And so. like Larry was saying, sometimes there's a freeway behind those trees in that large, nice backyard that you don't know, and then you get there and you mm-hmm. hear it, you mm-hmm. know, and it's super annoying, but it looked serene. Yeah. You know. I myself almost bought a property like that, uh, where, you know, <clears throat> I was traveling here from another state, and we were deciding whether or not to buy, and then... We just, um, you know, we just ended up almost making an offer, really. And then I ended up with an opportunity to fly here and check it out in person. Mm-hmm. And the house had no relationship to what I had seen in the photos, depth-wise, whatever. All the color, you know, it was the same home, but it, it was so ear-related that I just instantly understood that, you know, I couldn't, that yep. was not the home yep. for me. Yep. And so every home is either better, worse, whatever. So we're not going to, I don't think we're going to do away with that. Also, even if we did away with us being the key opener, we're not going to do away with that um, that representation, that desire to have a representation. But yes, one day, does the buyer then pay us? But if well, you give both... That. Let's go to the money thing. Yeah, if you give both parties a choice, I think sellers would still want to be the ones to facilitate that you know that that commission being paid what and just it having it be on top of the what if it does get rolled into the what how do you how do you see that playing out do you think that's a negative because i personally don't mm-hmm. i don't think it's that big of a deal if the it's rolled into the loan it. now it's just not considered a closing cost it's considered part of the purchase right it's not it is rolled into the loan now it, it definitely is and it has to appraise for that actually but now it's going to be a line item Sure, might be a line item, Buyer's might be, yeah, and um, sometimes the home warranty is, it just depends, so I think it's bearable, um, yeah, I think that uh, buyer's agents will have to fight for themselves again, or more, or a little bit more, but you know, we do anyway, uh, we fight for ourselves as listing agents, as buyer's agents, I think that, um, you know, giving what our relevance is, you know, a buyer, uh, a buyer should should have some help if they're going to be engaging in the most expensive thing they ever buy. Um, yeah, there's a whole lot of circumstances where where people utilize the services of an expert 
And that's, you know, if they're getting a divorce, if they're, um, you know, they're if they're going through a lawsuit situation, whatever, they utilize a lender, I mean, a, a lawyer, um, an attorney. And so there's, you know, they may have coaching for something that they're doing. I think if you're good at what you do, you'll always find a place. So you're not really concerned about this rule change? It's it's not going to change real estate overnight. It, you know, the rule is really that, you know, there has to be more transparency and that sellers have to be, have to really understand uh, where their money is going and what options they have. And if they, you know, even right now, sellers have the option and I always tell them, you know, this is what I commonly see in the marketplace for a certain rate, but that's completely up to you. In fact, I cannot tell you there's a norm um, mm-hmm. or any of those things. I mean, there's, you know, price fixing and any trust laws and all kinds of stuff that come into play. So I do disclaimers every time I meet with a seller to let them know that ultimately it's your choice if you want to offer a buyer's agent commission. But my understanding is that was not really what was happening. And so, yeah, and buyers, we want them to have more transparency too. And I think agents who have value to add to to what to the transaction whether they're a listing agent or a buyer's late agent there will always be a place for that what exactly that looks like and what document is used that could that we'll could see. be different yeah. yeah i mean before i ever became a realtor i was actually helping um helping investors source investment houses but i used realtors to complete that for them to help them um, and so my job was to identify what, in my opinion, were the best investments in a given city or area mm-hmm. and then recommend those and then could get them connected to agents and things. So it's interesting. And I was paid a good fee for doing that. I want to digress a little bit and ask you a couple of questions just to get to know you a little bit more. Yeah. So you have, from what I've heard over the years of knowing you, an extensive past in all of the degrees you've had, all of the jobs you've done, all of the opera singing, the investing, the, I mean, you have so, you've done more in your life than opera. most people, than five lives. So I just want to just go back a little bit for everybody who's going to pay attention and watch this and listen for people that want to get to know you a little bit more, possibly to join your team or possibly just to get to know who you are a little bit more. Yeah. Can you just give us, I mean, not an hour long version, <laughs> but just a, here's my snapshot of all the cool what? stuff I, I am and I've done. this was a three hour recording. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, people to know you. You threw bit. a lot out there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I've been in sales for roughly 36 years. Um, I'm dating myself a bit, but it it uh, it means that around 13 I started. I was the youngest official Tupperware dealer in the state of New Mexico, Tupperware. and I was I was winning awards at it. Um, you figure out as a kid without a whole lot of means um, that you know sales anyway is a bit like magic because you can make uncapped income uh, and all you have to do is work real hard and maybe you know talk pretty or something right so you you have to use intelligence you can you know I I was a kid with a lot of allergies and stuff so doing other people's yard work was never going to work for me Um, I could barely be outside if someone was cutting grass anywhere but um, and I tended to be ill a lot so yeah but I but I realized that um, you know being well spoken and knowing a few things actually helped a lot. And so uh, being able to be a go-between uh, or in fact advocate or educator about anything is sales. 
And so if you believe in the product and you can sell it, then you get to make money. And so that's, I learned that a long time ago. And um, yeah, they had to actually kind of change the rules or something for me uh, so that I could win my awards because my mother had put me under her dealer numbers. So it was all very hush hush and cool. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, people thought I was like 18 or something based on my height and how I carried myself at the time. My mother was very clear that we were to- my, yep, my mother was very clear we were to enunciate properly and, you know, have a good vocabulary and all those things if, you know, if we expected to get by in the world. So she she just held us to the standard that she was raised by uh, in, in New Mexico and Texas. So, um, so that... That's kind of how I, you know, my start in sales, and and I got quite good at it, actually, and it gave me great power. I was able to help our family with bills. I was able to buy school clothes. I was able to do buy school supplies, do a lot of things that I wouldn't have had access to. Um, We, one of my big wins uh, was that I I got to um, pay for us to go see a movie. Um, we hadn't been in like a year, and I've always loved movies. So we went and saw the first Indi- was it Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when it came out. You know, not like six weeks later when it was cheaper or whatever. So that was really cool. And, um, yeah, I was terrified during the insect scene and threw my popcorn on the entire row of people behind me. But uh, that is neither here nor there. So, yeah. I know the scene and, you're talking about. Yeah. So, and then I, you know, I um, – when I got out of high school, I actually moved to Northern California in pursuit of a degree, which I fell, sort of fell naturally into sales, advertising, and marketing. And I eventually had um, a career as um, a marketing executive for CBS and Infinity Broadcasting. And so that is how I came into designing other people's advertising and coming up with ad campaigns. And I could sell all lines. So that meant, you know, whether it was um, nationwide billboards to uh, nationwide TV advertising, and I really enjoyed the creativity of it. So um, one of my favorites was passion branding, where I would take uh, a nonprofit uh, organization, so Habitat for Humanity or something, and combine them with a for-profit, and then uh, you know combine their ad spend or use the for-profit ad spend. So it would be like Habitat for Humanity with Home Depot or something like that, and we would um, create an ad campaign pushing something you know products uh, and then and then also getting the um, you know the the ability for the nonprofit to educate the public about what it is that they do which is always so hard for nonprofits to do because they usually don't have they're trying to spend the least amount of money on an advertising budget and so you combine them with a for-profit uh, corporation that it, you know is just looking to passion brand themselves mm-hmm. they want to be considered friendly to um, things that matter and sometimes they could be very passionate about it or sometimes they're just looking for a way, a way to sell whatever but that, that was a lot of fun. brand awareness and eyeballs yeah that was a lot of fun and and actually through that process also, uh, I started um, consulting companies large and small on knowing, identifying their product, knowing their mission, um, knowing where their uh, prime, what their primary product uh, was, and in fact, knowing where their customers came from. And so for me, statistics has been a really important part of all sales for a long time. Um, so that's, that's just important. And then, you know, fast forward, 
Um, I took a little time off, had our boys, and then I always knew that either going back into advertising or even just expanding what I was doing in the creative uh, field were options for me. Um, And in the meantime, yes, I got a Bachelor of Science in International Business, and I also got a, a teaching credential in Texas. But I, but I went on to uh, to go into real estate because I'd already become a property investor. So in 08, my husband and I started buying um, little kind of broken down homes and turning them into rentals. I never was a flipper, uh, but I was someone that believed in long-term hold for the highest gain um, and especially getting the highest gain out of, Texas, right? out of the work. Mm-hmm. I started doing that in, in Houston first while we lived there uh, and, then, and then eventually segued into real estate. Well, segued into... Um, advocating for other people's investments, and then uh, finally into becoming licensed here. And then I started my, I was an individual agent for what, eight years or so, and then I started my team in 2018. Uh, and and I have a real estate team now. We have 17 licensees um, and two full-time uh, people. I have an operations manager and a transaction coordinator or transaction 17. manager. 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm a you know, so we operate in Southwest Washington and Northwest uh, Oregon. So we do both, but it's true to say that about seventy-five percent of our business is on this side of the river. Right. Yeah. And the opera singing—that's an aside. It's, yeah, it's a thing that I did. Okay. Yeah. I was, I, tell me, you went to school for opera singing, and I was gonna—I was gonna have her belt. <laughs> oh, she. Yeah, I, yeah. I perf- yeah, I performed yeah. for sixteen careers, or sorry, sixteen years in career. So that's like um, both profit and non-profit, and it just means, or paid and non-paid. So it just means um, I volunteered a lot in musicals. I did musicals for, I think, 13 or 14 years, and then I segued into opera at the end. And I did a few, um, I was a lead singer for a few bands and whatever, but that's just stuff that I did on my own time. And I considered it a career at one point, uh, making it a career, but that was, you know, I didn't want to move to New York or LA and that was kind of where you needed to be. Probably more money in real estate. And yeah, it's it's way more of a sure thing. Yeah. So <laughs> and there's really a um, a half life to all those things. You know, you can only I mean, it depends on the person, but you know, your voice is a finite resource. So um, but I enjoyed that immensely and um, yeah, I enjoyed it immensely and met my husband through that um, through that way in Capital Opera Sacramento. We were both in the same production. And so you did musicals? Yes. Yeah. I did musicals for much longer than I did opera. Okay. I just finished with opera, um, but I did, yeah, I did musicals for a lot of years. Yeah. So there's so, there were so many theater opportunities in and around Sacramento where I lived for a long time that, yeah, it's, it was just, you had a, a ton of opportunity. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like I, I told you she's impressive. I had no idea. There was like this much <laughs> behind this oh, woman. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, so, you were a solo agent first and then mm-hmm. started the team. Mm-hmm. I started the team in 2018. You didn't start with 17 agents. You started five. Just five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, four curious. agents. So myself plus four agents and a, and a transaction coordinator. Or at the time, it was just an assistant mm-hmm. um, and not really a transaction coordinator. So we still outsourced to the brokerage I was with for that. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I did I did start kind of hot off the presses with four, with four other people and myself. Um, which I later found out was actually not that usual. I think usually you get an assistant and then you kind of get uh, an agent Maybe and then you kind of, I really didn't, I thought I was starting small and I later kind of laughed because I did, you know, people were like, what on earth? You have a team just like that. I had no idea that I was doing anything bizarre. 
So where do you find your team members? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. So, uh, well, right now I'm with Keller Williams, uh, premier partners in Vancouver, Washington, which I love. Um, that's been just a great home, uh, for, for our team. Uh, and so, you know, they, I benefit from the fact that they have this national brand, uh, which is very, uh, focused heavy on, you know, collaboration and training, uh, education is, is absolutely huge. And so, um, I help to teach, uh, for, you know, their ignite series, which is, uh, for new agents coming on board. I also, um, you know, will volunteer for various other opportunities. And then, you know, they oftentimes had meet meet and greets, uh, where we could, uh, you know, talk with people that are considering the industry, talk with people that are considering to, uh, start real estate. And so that's, that's been a great place too. Um, just to do that, yeah. And then a lot of your current agents have also brought in potential agents and new new agents. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we, it's no secret, we incentivize um, our existing agents to help find the people that they get to work with, so they can maybe choose their friends and work with them. Uh, they can, um, you know, meet people out in the world, uh, maybe other agents, and they could, uh, you know, set up kind of a meet and greet with me. I will sit down for an hour and educate anyone who's interested in real estate. An interview with me is just more of like an informative uh, session that we're going to let you know what is a day in the life, a week in the life of a realtor. uh, What does that look like? What is the startup cost for doing it? It's really just making sure that people understand the industry. Uh, What is the daily work? And I think that's, you know, I call it the HGTV effect where people think that what the job is is so quite different. You know, they're like, you know, presenting and having cocktails and, and, you know, it's just, it's a very different thing. I mean, Where we do get to go. At? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Where, yeah, I love that Which show, one's going to renovate my house when I buy this one? Yeah, yeah. When, when do we get to hang out on Magnolia Farms and, you know, but yeah, it's, that has given uh, a lot of um, that and what is it? Uh, oh, gosh selling sunset and all that kind of so i don't really watch those shows i used to love hgtv but i don't have time to look at any of that anymore um but i i just think that uh that has had a huge effect in glamorizing the industry but that's not really what we do and so there is the fun part we all love to go look at homes it's a it's kind of like a you know the open secret is that we all really are somewhat addicted to houses and we love to go see them that's true uh, it's the thing I miss the most about not representing buyers, really, because I'm largely out of production. Um, it means I don't represent buyers or sellers that much myself anymore. It's mainly through my team. But uh, we do love to go show homes, and, and there is that, you know, you can get, uh, you know, gussied up and do all that. But it's not it's not really the main focus of what we do. It's a lot of sitting at a desk. It's like what you guys do. You're at a desk. You've got a list of people that you've ever talked to. You need to follow up with them. You need to make sure that you're representing their interests. You need to, you know, problem solve. And so that's really what we what we do. But I will talk with anyone, and, and it's been really helpful. Keller Williams is probably the biggest way I recruit. And then on top of that, we recruit through the agents themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they, they get to help choose who they work with. I think that's a lot of fun for them. Um, and that and that works really well. Also, if they enjoy their job, that's very easy for them to go out and, and share. So one thing that I've noticed about working with you as opposed to any of the other agents that I've worked with and teams that I've worked with is the amount of individual effort that you pour into each and every person on your team. Why do you do it? And 
just explain your why behind Why am I crazy? Yeah. No, um, <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I think all my friends think uh, I'm, I'm, you know, my, my agent friends think, you know, think I've certainly overcomplicated my life by going from being a successful individual agent to starting a team. I can say it's not for everyone, but I can also say any, any form of management in any industry is probably not for everyone. Um, you know, so I would just say that I went from really a, a big passion for helping individuals in having their goals or dreams come true by way of helping them buy or sell a home to watching an individual experience success sometimes for the first time in their life through real estate as a job. And so mentoring others, I I have been mentoring others in one way or another for at least 25, 30 years. That's just some something about me wants to advocate for something I think another person could benefit from. And my mother was actually that way too. Um and maybe it's that teacher thing in the family, you know, there's several That's of where you several got it. of us and yeah. So we come by way of it's almost like I think a lot of us know something and we could help another, but we don't always trust what we know. And we think, oh, that's, what if that's the wrong idea or a bad idea? I shouldn't just be giving, you know, advocating for something or giving advice to someone. And I have, I think, been raised with this thought that if I have knowledge that I think in the moment could help another person or could benefit them in some way, I do not have the right to keep it to myself. I am like duty bound to share that. That's, that's me. And I guess it has to come with a little bit of like either trust internally or even like hubris to say (laughs) that maybe what I'm saying is a good idea in any given moment. And I'm always willing to be wrong, but I have, I have been an advocate and a, um, in that way for people for a really long time. So I've, I, you know, helped people get through navigating the U.S. college system, helped, you know, every babysitter we ever had gotten, you know, coached in some way by myself and my husband to just rise and be the best version of whatever it is that they could imagine or maybe just imagine and dream bigger. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had um, parents of babysitters like have us for dinner years later and I've attended graduations and nurse pinning ceremonies where you know they cry and go like it's because of something you said or because you your husband helped me with my calculus homework after you got home from your date or whatever uh, when I was your babysitter that, that now I have this degree so this is something we've been doing for I have been doing and my husband has joined me on for a really long time like if we could make a difference for someone I made a difference and it's I was personal. willing to pull out all the stops. Yes. I've seen it just because we've worked yeah. together enough years now. I've yeah. seen you pull minimum wage employees out of another industry mm-hmm. and within one to two years they're making six-figure income. 100%, yeah. You know what I mean? I yes. mean, and that's and you're just pour, you're pouring into them more than I've ever mm-hmm. seen anybody pour into anybody. Mm-hmm. But you can see what it does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the result. Within one to two years, yeah. you're going from 40 grand a year to 100. Mm-hmm. In a brand new career, if forty, yeah, if forty, if forty, yeah, 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 I mean, it's it's it's, it's, it's really true. To see. I know the one. I don't want. I know. I don't want to say names here, but you know, when we first started working together, you know, the one that went back to Fred Meyer, went to teaching, and you know, oh, totally, out. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just watch what you did for him. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. 
Yeah. Just unbelievable. I I love taking someone from what the status quo is and what they may hope they can do in real estate and taking them to something so much beyond their expectation. And his confidence, watching it they grow. grow. Yes. Over that year it period, is, it was unbelievable to it's watch. It's amazing, yes. He became a totally different person. Yeah, and I watched that a lot. So I I don't know, my ultimate um, pay, I guess, for what I do and all what you say, I do train my team a lot. Um, I do in-person training with them every Tuesday, every Thursday. So it's two to four hours. It just depends. And then, yes, I mentor them. I'm their managing broker. So it's every single deal, um, every single conversation that they're having. And we make sure that they never want for anything. They 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 are to look like a rock star to their client. And uh, they get to leverage everything I've ever learned or known in sales and in real estate, contract or, or psychology or otherwise, to be able to bring that to bear on helping that client, including every solution, every everything. So I'm in every deal. It's just a matter of like how, how much. Um, and it depends on the transaction and how new the agent is. But they learn, they also learn very quickly this way. Um, but my ultimate pay for that, um, aside from, you know, any income, is that uh, I get to, to watch them and in the eyes of their family and friends completely transform or just really rise. And I get to watch their, um, you know, original concept of themselves uh, from when they join me to six months later, a year later, two years later, com- you know, just really explode mm-hmm. and transform. Yeah, it's amazing. I just got a card yesterday from one of my team leads, uh, agents who's been with me about three years. And, you know, it made me cry. You know, she literally like dropped it, gave it to me and said, open it later, you know. And it was just unexpected. I had no idea that was going to occur. Um, and I and I I do get things like that. And it's like... Yeah, I mean, I'll just get goosebumps or start crying talking about it because it's really amazing. Um, but I, I don't, you know, isn't there some old proverb about that? It's like if you want to be happy for a day, go buy something. If you want to be happy for a month, go you know, um, go, you know, give something or whatever. Yeah. If you want to be happy for a lifetime, help another person, you know, help them in some way that is meaningful. So it is incredible. And there is just like when we sell a home to a buyer, there is this downwind, you know, um, effect of everyone in their family, their kids or whatever, are benefiting from this new homestead that they've created. When an agent becomes more successful and produces money at a higher income and gets, you know, confidence at a higher level, it affects everyone. I have an agent on my team who has three little girls and, you know, was doing DoorDash. And now... um, literally made 15,000 or 17,000 dollars take home last month in a hard year quote unquote mm-hmm. you know for 2023 and and I, you know that's dramatic that would have been a lot of delivered chinese food to make that much money that's hilarious mm-hmm. yeah yeah it would have yeah but it's like it's dramatic you know right. um it gave her power in her life she's going to pass that power on to somebody else I to all three you. of her little girls yeah. who go whoa mommy's kind of a baller yeah right <laughs> I, I, mean, like, I, I hate to use sports analogies but they have these coaching yeah. trees where you know you have like this one really successful coach and he creates 10 different coaches off of that and they call it the coaching tree where like and you can point yeah. to almost every successful uh, mm-hmm. nfl head coach 
and they all came off of one or two different coaching trees yeah. from 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. And I utilize coaching too. You know, I think uh, there's a place in so many aspects of their of our lives for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, that trickle down effect I think is is incredibly powerful. And I'll never, I'll live my whole life and never know in what way that continued to impact someone. Same thing with raising my children. You know, I will pass from this lifetime and never know who else got affected by something I said or did. Right. My mother has passed from this lifetime and I'm still passing around her words of wisdom. That, you know, she she actually said to me years ago, that, you know, your children are your only true immortality. That and the words you say to others. And I think those things are so true. Wow, that's yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So retention, your your team members, like 17, they're, they're probably clamoring to get on your team and they don't leave, right? I would love to say retention is, you know, super, super long. But the real thing in the industry is that if you can keep agents for two years or more, mm. you're doing a really good job. So I'm doing a really good job. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's I, I have had agents for longer, um, but sometimes there's changes in their life. They have a child, whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I am still actively recruiting too, because we definitely want to push to 20 or more uh, within the next six months. And so we're still in a rapid growth phase. And part of that is everything I've done this last year to build market share and to grow uh, and to stabilize. So this year has been a whole lot of that behind the scenes. So have you ever run into somebody wherever you happen to be and just like you're talking to them for a little bit and you're like, you know, you would be really good at real estate. Have you, That's happened? I'm sure that's happened. In Macy's at the makeup counter Mm -hmm. six weeks ago, Mm -hmm. she's now one of my newest agents in training. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fabulous. Very excited to bring her aboard. She's incredibly excited. She's another bilingual agent that I'll be bringing on board. She speaks Spanish and English. Right. Yeah. She's been to many meetings. The service industry, I always tell everybody, the service industry, if you are successful in the service industry, like as as a server or in retail, like a makeup counter or something like that, you're so in tune with mm-hmm. the client and, and, and their mm-hmm. needs and their wants that it makes you really good at real estate because yeah. you have to have that kind of innate ability to absorb what that client is looking for, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and you've, you've got to, you know, I always say in, in interviews and, and in informational interviews, there are two things that I hire for, and I actually will fire for these. And that is um, genuine kindness. Mm. You have to be genuinely kind because I get to actually, I'm in the unique position to get to choose who it is I work with. Um, as the company owner, that's like, you know, Great. when you pay the bills, <laughs> oddly, you get to, you know, you get to do that. But Number one, I get to choose who I work with. And so, uh, and I get to choose who our clients are going to be served by. And so genuine kindness, that is it. You've got to be a genuinely kind person. If you're a genuinely kind person and you have the ability to speak, then you have the ability to do exactly what you just said, which is you can live in their shoes. You can live in another person's shoes. You can hear them in a way that they're not used to being heard in their everyday life. Um, and certainly not by necessarily places they're going to buy stuff. And you can serve them at a really higher level. And then the, the second one is no ego. Because I cannot, I cannot inflict someone with ego on my clients. And I cannot train a person with ego. I'm always learning. We all have to be receptive constantly to new 
knowledge. 100%. And we can never be thinking we're the expert of anything. And so that, you know, that goes to that as well. So yeah, you can, I definitely do. So I've found, I don't know, a lot of service industries. So I've had, you know, um, prior servers. I've had people who worked at um, grocery stores. I've had people that Casinos. We're Casino, in yeah. casinos. <laughs> yeah. I've had people that um, have worked in retail. Um, yeah, so many different. Um, also, moms, you know, like parents, because really they're caring for humans on a regular daily basis. They're also incredible at multitasking. So, in fact, I kind of, you know, as a female, I love the fact that real estate uh, is a place where females can come and rise yeah. and have no cap on them. And it's literally an even playing field. And when I was in the corporate world in my 20s, as a young female, it kind of didn't matter how smart I was because that's not what was being, you know, the focus. Rated, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, rated or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'll just give you the story that I was sitting next to um, my assistant who was the assistant for our, you know, advertising arm of Infinity Broadcasting. And I had taken them with me to meet with some, you know, a particularly, um, you know, uh, big meeting that we were going to do for this advertiser. I don't know if it was waste management for the West Coast or whatever it was, Gallo Wines or something. And I had gotten the contract and I had done all the hard work for six months to get that meeting. And then I go to sit in front of them and I've got, you know, these, you know, two company, uh, you know, CEO, CFO, whatever, on one side of the table and myself and my assistant on the other. And every time I asked a question, they would look at me, acknowledge the question, look over at my assistant and answer. Because the assistant sitting next to me was a male. Wow. And this happened not once. It happened like eight times in this 30-minute meeting. And it's, it's the kind of thing you don't forget if you're, you're the invisible. one that that happened to. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, that kind of lack of agency as a young female, mm-hmm. I experienced quite a bit. I love the fact that in real estate, you you can have full agency. And in fact, it's not just about whether you're you know female or not, but in fact, I have younger males who are, you know, entering this industry they're brilliant people and they're hardworking. they just need to be given a chance and this industry will let them in and then they can do the hard work and and win over the clients and then i you know i have yeah i mean my one of my newest agents is um you know retired from another you know 18 years uh in in another career and whatnot and so you know like i say my team should should represent the world around me. My team should represent our clients. And whether that's young, old, every color, it doesn't matter. Trilingual, bilingual, like we need to represent uh, the population around us because then that means we can better serve the population around us and we can understand what their concerns are better because we have those concerns in our in our own team. And you have a lot of younger agents on your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I have from age nineteen on up. Um, but I, you know, I think I'm on up to sixty five or so. Okay. And so it's, you know, there's actually a broad spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. Um, for me, like I said, none of that matters. Uh, you can you can do this industry. Luckily, it's not like hard work with your hands. Uh, you can do this industry um, at any age and be you know really effective i first entered in corporate sales when i was 19 
and people had no idea that I was 19. <laughs> they just had no idea. And so I don't think that that kind of thing matters. I think you can be you could be anyone and come from any background. Um, and you can uh, really thrive in sales, but you can thrive also in real estate. Right. But you've got to be willing to work hard. You have to, if you're on my team, you have to be willing to sit through the trainings. You have to be willing to level up your contract knowledge. You have to be willing to level up your mortgage knowledge. You have to be willing to do all those things. Because then you are a value to your client and not like a danger to your client. Because you can be either one. You know, what's weird about real estate, it's it's always been kind of a mixed melting pot of people from different backgrounds For that sure. come in. Uh, when I got into, uh, you know, working with real estate agents 15 years ago, I was talking to one uh, and he had something weird on his desk. And, and I was like, I was like, what is that? Well, it's from when I was a dentist. I was like, you were a dentist? Yeah. And now you're a real estate agent? He's like, yeah, I got tired of teeth. I got tired of sticking my hands in people's mouths and... So I decided to sell real estate instead, you know? And so just like this weird melting pot of people that all came together. I mean, uh, dentists, doctors. Uh, a lot of retired sports athletes. Yep. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, teachers. A lot of teachers. I know a lot of teachers yeah. who just decided, you know what, I'm just, I, yeah. I don't want to teach anymore. I'm done with it. Yeah. 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 yeah and and, um, and I've seen the reverse happen too, where they come in and out of the real estate industry and then they eventually go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, back into or back into like a teaching space or something right. like that or into something else. But I think that's healthy. I think we could change what we do in our, in our lives. But we do, there are a fair amount of people for whom this is their desired dream post-retirement occupation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that you can jump in and do that. Um, a lot of people become uh, pocket investors as well. You should. Mm-hmm. If you work in this industry, you mm-hmm. should mm-hmm. become an investor. Yeah. 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 And that's some, some, for some people like me included, it can be a segue into the industry mm-hmm. where you start wanting to acquire a few rentals or something like that. And then you understand the value of real estate. And like for me, I had kind of a mixture of realtors and I saw what worked and what didn't for me as a client. Right. And my goal was to take those things that worked and get rid of those things that didn't and then add everything that I could think of to add. And then you have something to pass off to your clients mm-hmm. to counsel them on to replicate your mm-hmm. success at yes. the same level. Yeah, one of our team mottos is service with excellence and it's something that just came about a years ago because people would say it about me. Um, you know, they put it on a review or something like that. And so it, uh, I started using it as my signature, like my tagline, and then it became our team motto. Uh, but the whole point is that we really strive to mean it and to um, to embody that right. all the time. So I'm making sure I bring excellence to my team in knowledge, in training, in incredible lenders like Devin. Um, you know, we want to bring excellence to our, our clients. And if I bring excellent training and tools to my team and I'm constantly pivoting or retooling or whatever's necessary, and I have people like Devin who will do the same, and Cardinal that will do the same, then you know we we can we can level up what we offer, and we can provide literally service with excellence. What value additionally can we add? Right. That's always what I'm looking for. It takes it to a whole different level. Uh, it comes back to the well done is always better than well said. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, yeah, the proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah, I mean, when people are done with a transaction, they should, uh, whether the transaction had difficulties or not, they should appreciate us just as much, if not more, uh, than they did when they ever first met my agent in an open house or whatever that is. It should not ever be the opposite. So weird market we're in, kind of transitioning. It, is this the weirdest, craziest, kookiest market that you've seen? I mean, in, I think the 08 recession was definitely kookier. And I was there as an investor. Um, that was interesting to see it. Um, and then also to be part of the very meteoric sort of rise through 12, 13, 14, and 15 of, you know, 14, 15% a year in uh, property uh, year-over-year valuation gain and and just uh, an incredible rush to, to purchase everything while some sellers were still not even able to make back what they'd paid for the home in 08. Um, right. I know my last seller that, that I sold a home for, I think it was in like 2014 or 2015 before he finally was able to sell at a price that made back that peak price that he had paid wow. in 07 or I think it was 08 that they had purchased it. Seven wow. years. Yeah. And, it, you know, it was a home on property. So, you know, fair warning, it was it was something that was going to take longer to appreciate right. uh, because of the, the, you know, uniqueness of it. But... Um, it took it took that long for them to see their to just get to get out and not be upside down at all in equity. Wow. And that was the last one. And I remember thinking of that as like a really positive turning point that Absolutely. okay, it's done. You know, like we're done. Yeah, that's behind us now. That's behind us. And if and if this property made it up and out, you know, of, of its more. valuation, then we're we're done. You know, like I, I understood that that was unique and a difficult one. Right. Um, everyone else kind of made it out by, you know, 2012, 2013. Mm-hmm. But um, it is, it is a, a, you know, unique market right now. I do think that we are uniquely positioned to, um, you know, capture whatever business we can as a team. And I I know there are people this year that are having a good year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my team had a very solid year during the pandemic, as anyway, so many realtors did. But then there were some that kind of took a pause uh, right when it started, and they did not do okay that year. And so I think really it's what you do with it, and how do you pivot, and how do you retool? My company is small enough, that, I, and I'm constantly looking at stats because that's what I was trained to do when I used to – help companies forward their goals and using advertising I always looked at stats so I look at stats I know the numbers all the time and so I'm able to put more money over here because this is where clients are coming from and literally pivot our own advertising um, create new opportunities for the agents I have what I call like multiple legs of the table I've always believed in this whether it was a banner year like 2021 or not I always wanted multiple legs of the table and so I don't have never had just one or two main sources of business that I nurtured I've always looked for you know multiple uh, sources of business and then I'm always looking for more or different ones because when something is robust there may be a year when it's not so for example this year what I will say it's working well for our team is sphere so that is very interesting but what used to be a very uh, lead like phone lead or internet lead dominant business we now have a sphere dominant business and then now we're starting to see where open houses and things are also uh, coming up more and more and it's I think it's because the people that 
know our agents personally are more likely to listen to them at a level that allows that individual buyer or seller to counteract what the national news has been just slamming them with for a year and a half, which is interest rates are insane. You are insane if you, right. Mm -hmm. And you are insane if you buy or sell anything. Right. Yeah. Because in what, what the news, I don't know, first of all, just never realizes is that if you are bashing buyers, you are bashing sellers because um, in order to leave one house, you've got to go find another one in most cases. Unless you're going to live in a tent. There you go. Or a trailer. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can't, if you're bashing one, you're bashing the other always because people are going to leapfrog from one to another. Um, but yeah, I think it's that, that personal touch that someone, you know, they're willing to listen for longer. Mm-hmm. And if the agent can get, you know, bend their ear for long enough, as Devin knows, we can educate them. If we can educate them, we can inspire them and help them. And they can refer you. Yes, that too. Yes, and they can refer us. But really, I mean, they can meet their home goals. So right now, you know, uh, you have people concerned about buying because they're concerned that house prices are high. We have no indication right now that house prices would decrease in our area for any particular reason at all because we don't have enough homes to meet demand. But where we used to have 10 buyers for every home in Southwest Washington, maybe we have four. And so, but that still makes it a seller's market. So why can you tell me why would home prices go down? I can't figure the logic on that. If you overprice a house and you have to reduce it, then of course, right. people are going But we're talking about a, right. But yeah, that's we're not talking totally about different. a loss year on year in valuation. <clears throat> right. And this is what many people confuse in the news. They think that the news told me that home prices are dropping this year or they dropped last year relative to this year. What they meant or what they had explained in most cases is that the rate at which a home went from a hundred thousand dollar home last year to a hundred and ten thousand dollar home uh, next year dropped. Right. So maybe instead of a ten percent annual appreciation, which I just described, they might have you know a four or seven percent annual uh, appreciation. And so those rates have dropped. That's true. But what the what the average person consumer hears is oh no. A hundred thousand dollar home that someone bought last year is now only worth ninety eight or ninety two or thousand dollars, and we better not buy in that. Or in fact, if that's happening, we better wait because that means we can get ourselves a hundred thousand dollar house next year or in six months for one hundred and fifty or or you know whatever or nine or sorry fifty thousand. So one of the things that gets me is when people are like, like two years ago you'd list a home at five hundred. By the time it sold, it'd be worth five and a quarter. So they put it up at five and a quarter. That doesn't mean it was worth it when they listed it. So when people are still trying to do that and they've got to reduce it from five and a quarter to five, that's not a price reduction. You're just bringing it back to where you should have put it in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it looks like a reduction because on the MLS it says I reduced the price, mm-hmm. but it's not. You're just, you overpriced it to begin with. Mm-hmm. You're bringing it back to reality. Mm-hmm. That to me is not a price reduction. You're right. That's just getting reasonable. It's not well. It's not loss of market value. It's not. No, I will. I I will hundred percent agree with you on that. And also add, which is that you know, sellers have very much w- wanted to see or hoped to see 
these high rates of year-on-year appreciation on into the end of last year and all through this year. And so they've been very, very slow to consider the price that their home is at currently. And they they have wanted us to price up everything we list. And we don't set the price. People think realtors set the price. We have no right to do that. We can only educate a seller. And as I tell every seller, I work for you ultimately. Here is my, edu- you know, here are the stats. This is what, you know, I believe you should be priced at given the features of your home and, and the comps that I brought. But I work for you. So ultimately, you know, what do you need or want to price the house at? And here are the pros and cons of that discussion. And that's all we can do. We have no right to price, just like we have no right to tell them how much commission to offer a buyer's agent sure. or anything like that. Or They're, what offer to accept. Or what yeah. offer to accept yeah. or not. Right. Yeah. So we have no we, no right to do those things. So it's, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a free market. Sellers have free will. And so it's true uh, what Devin is saying that if, it, you know, if you price in a certain way, and it's already above the market, and then you have to adjust it because it's sitting, and the seller is going, wow, I still wanted to move. 